edition. <laughs> Glad you're able to join us today. And if you're coming in on the Zoom app, please uh, enter your texts or your questions through text by using the Q&A or the chat window. We have both on, on the Zoom app. We also have the third option on the Zoom app, and that is you can use your audio to speak with us directly if you'd like to do that, and we invite you to do that. Um, and if you're coming in and watching us on the QuickTime channel, um, there's a, a little delay, a hesitation, maybe 10, 15 second delay, but you can put your comments in there and uh, Jonathan will uh, get them over here and we'll address them. And so we've got a, a, a very full program today. We hope you enjoy us. Enjoy, yeah, join us. I'm having a little bit of technical issues with my mouth here, technical issues. Jeff, good to see you. I see you on my screen. How are you doing? Yes, I am here. Good. Good to see you. Great, great. And we, Scott, I already said, I already saw, heard you, Scott. How are you doing, Scott? Good to see you here today. Well, how are you today? Doing very good. And Jonathan is with us as well. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, good to see you guys. Okay, so let's take it right to the program. Um, Jonathan, would you read the? Uh, we got a. We got a. We spoke about a topic last week, um, which was concerning the LGBT community, and we did get a response from someone in the audience. And uh, Scott, do you want to start it and take it over? Yeah, because I, I don't. It's a kind of a lengthy question, so instead of reading the entire thing, I'm going to read some of the highlights. You don't mind? Okay, why don't you do that? That's good. Go ahead. It says, "I'm writing today to tell you the good news that you can be gay." and have a relationship with God at the same time. Uh, this person says you can have a gay relationship with God in it. And then he proceeds to say many LGBT plus, we're going to talk about that plus a little bit later, LGBT plus Christians feel isolated, unloved, unwanted by their peers, etc., etc. He says, uh, but when supported in their sexuality, LGBT plus Christians tend to thrive, exclamation point. This is good fruit, exclamation point. It goes on to say, I would like you to I would like to challenge you to look at the verses closely that are used to bash homosexuals. We didn't understand sexuality until the 1800s. Homosexuality was a word that was added later. The Bible has a lot to say about temple prostitution and gang rape, but not loving, committed, same-sex relationships. Not all translations are created equal. If you need a point to start, look up free thinkers such as Matthew Vines and Kevin Garcia. So we're going to be looking at some of these passages, but uh, we're going to begin with uh, this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus, who shall judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure the sound doctrine, but having itching ears will heap to themselves teachers after their own lusts, and will turn away their ears from the truth. 
So let's just say before we get to the particular sin uh, that we'll be addressing today, that there's all sorts of sins that people, we, you, our audience, have uh, been guilty of at different times. And when we're guilty of a sin, we can either become calloused, we can try to justify it, we can attack the person who pointed out that it's a sin, or we can repent. Now, it says here that uh, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and, te- and teaching. If I'm a drunkard, do I need to be supported in my drunkenness? No, oh, you, 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 need, you, need pers- it, you may not want to hear that your drunkenness is a problem. You may not want to hear that you are responsible. You may not want to hear that you're accountable, that you have a choice to do something different. But that's what you need to hear. Right. If I'm an adulterer, if I'm an adulterer and I say people have made me feel bad about cheating on my wife, if people would support the sexuality of adultery, then I would thrive. What do I need? It may be that if people all told you that was just fine and wonderful and that your wife was horrible and that it was, you had good reason for doing this, that may, might make you in the short term feel better it might at least avoid making you feel guilty. It doesn't change the fact that you are guilty and you need to have somebody tell you this is wrong, no matter what you feel. So when we come to the sins that we'll be talking about today, the answer is not what somebody wishes the answer was. It's to look to the word. And uh, our questioner uh, has said, they've asked us, they said, look closer at the scriptures. And he said, the scriptures are about gang rape and temple top prostitution, but not loving, committed, same-sex relationships. So let's begin with Leviticus and take a look and see what that text says. I'm not there yet, so if somebody... Leviticus 18, I just want to mention Leviticus 18.22 you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. And I think the observation to make here is when people say the Bible isn't talking about loving monogamous homosexual relationships, it's talking about gang rape, or it's talking about temple prostitution. This is talking about what is proper between a man and a woman. That's not gang rape. That's not temple prostitution. It says, don't do between a man and a man what is proper between a man and a woman. So to read it, you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It's an abomination. The thing that makes an abomination is not gang rape or temple prostitution in this context. It's the fact that it's with a male as opposed to with a female. Very good point. And let's let's look at a few of the other things here. Um, in verse 6, none of you shall approach any of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. Uh, you, verse uh, 10, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, etc., etc. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, You shall not, etc., etc. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. And then um, you have, of course, the reference to uh, a man is not to lie with a man as with an old woman. 
And after that, it says, you shall not lie with an animal and make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is a perversion. All right, so um, the person who's written to us here, we don't have a name, it's anonymous, that's fine. Uh, they said, look up, and then they give us a couple of names, and one was Matthew Bynes. So we looked up, and Drew and I were going over an article he wrote this morning, and this basically is what he said about Leviticus 18, that this is part of the old law. Which it is. And uh, he says in the New Testament, one of the big uh, points was that it was resolved in Acts 15 that Gentiles did not need to be under the old law. And so this was the old covenant, the old law for the Jewish people, hence it doesn't apply to gay uh, Gentile Christians and such today would be the basic point. Drew. Do you hear me, Scott? Yes. My audio was not working before. but Okay, but what you just said now, but it does, but it did and still does apply to Jews, right? He doesn't say whether or not it still applies to Jews specifically. He emphasizes that it was part of the old covenant, and uh, that's no longer binding today. Uh, so I would, if you pressed him on it, he might say, yeah, it's not binding for Jews either, I suspect. I think but it was then, but it was then. And that's the thing. The first half of his article was not about scripture. The first half of his article was about love and fairness and, and this type of thing. And it's not fair for a gay person to not get to find someone to love and be with of their same gender. Then he says, we're going to look in detail at the verses. And Leviticus 19, he tosses out by saying, well, that was part of the old covenant, which raises the question, what about love and fairness for the Hebrews? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it would seem as if he's, he's willing to suppose that uh, the God of the Bible was willing to treat them unfairly and say that uh, they could not marry the person that they loved if it were the same gender, whereas uh, that's unfair for God for us today, so God doesn't do that, but he did it with regard to the Jews, he'd say. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that he appeals to Acts 15 in making the point that Gentiles aren't under the law, don't have to keep the law of Moses, because it's in Acts 15, in that context where they are making the case that Gentiles do not have to keep the law, that James uh, urges that they at least communicate to Gentiles, though, that there are certain things that they need to be reminded they can't participate in. And it happens to be a summary of the big ideas of Leviticus 17 and 18. In uh, Acts chapter 15, the letter is written, and it says in verse 29 uh, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from fornication. We, those four points are really a, a summary of the big ideas in Leviticus 17 and 18. So in the very passage that someone turned to to say, well, this is not applicable today, James was saying Gentiles don't have to keep the law, but the big points of Leviticus 17 and 18 are applicable today. Oh, wow. And he what, uh, summed up and he summed up all of the sexual immorality in the word fornication. Fornication is is sexual relations outside of marriage, outside of the realm God has ordained, which brings us to another point when people homosexuals try to say 
Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Jesus condemned fornication. In Acts 15, fornication encompasses all of this sexual immorality, including homosexuality. Uh, Jesus condemned it. In fact, uh, some Bible translations translate the word fornication to simply sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And throughout that passage in Leviticus, we have instances of sexual immorality. And so let's touch on this just for a minute. Um, notice I said, we're going to come back to this, LGBT plus. Mm-hmm. Why is the plus there? And I pulled up, and I'm having trouble finding it now, but I pulled it up right before the program came on here. While, you're, while you're looking for that, stop. Go ahead, go ahead. While you're looking for that, where did you see the LGBT plus? That's in the question. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the comment that was uh, written to us two times, he said in there, the LGBT plus. I wondered why he chose to do it that way. So often everybody's very uh, specific and in including Q after that. Uh, and and, and it, in fact, usually don't we see LGBTQ is there another letter they throw in there typically, or is that typically what we see? Well, here, here we go. Um, I just did a Google search. What is the plus in LGBT plus? Okay. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll share my screen here. Um, so you can see this. Well, I thought I would. Uh, I don't see my share button right now, so I'll just read it. Okay, so LGBT plus LGBT lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender and LGBTQQIA lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual. The plus plus symbol in our name ensures that we will always be inclusive of all identities to make our community feel welcome and that nobody is left out. So pedophilia. So let's take a look at uh, this. I'm reading from the telegraph uh, and I do want to get this on the screen if I can. Somebody tell me how to find the share button. Click on your zoom app uh, in the dock below. It'll bring, it'll bring the focus back to the zoom. Uh, Okay. Thanks. Okay. So uh, here we go. What about this? This is uh, from the Telegraph. Australian judge says incest may no longer be a taboo. Judge in Australia says incest may no longer be a taboo, and the only reason it is criminal is potential birth abnormalities, which can be solved by abortion. Wow. This is from uh, five years ago, July 2014. A judge in Australia has been criticized after saying incest may no longer be a taboo and that the community may now accept consensual sex between adult siblings. Judge Gary Nielsen from the District Court in the, new, in the state of New South Wales likened incest to, guess what, homosexuality, which was once regarded as criminal and, and unnatural but is now widely accepted. He said incest was now only a crime because it may lead to abnormalities in offspring, but this rationale was increasingly irrelevant because of the availability of contraception in abortion. 
A jury may find nothing untoward in the advance of a brother towards his sister once she is sexually mature and had sexual relationships with other men and was now available, not having a sexual partner. If this was the 1950s and you had a jury of 12 men there, which is what you'd invariably have, they would say it's unnatural for a man to be interested in to another man or a man being interested in a boy. Those things have gone. Okay, so let's go back to this LGBT plus. Mm-hmm. The plus ensures that we will how often be inclusive? Always. Of how many identities? All. And who would be left out? Nobody. So our, our correspondent who is, if he, if he is using LGBT plus as, as it apparently is intended, um, then, then what he is saying when he says, well, the Bible is not talking about um, gang rape or um, what was the other thing he said? Oh, the Bible is talking. He said Bible talk. Oh, yeah. So what would be wrong with temple prostitution then? It, well, I get what if it were church prostitution instead of temple? Christian church prostitution. If we just had our prostitutes down here at the church building and we had temple prostitutes, then would they be left out? Would they be made to feel guilty? That that plus would seem to say that was okay. So really, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is okay, but eating a feast at the idol temple was not. So yeah. yeah. So 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 his attempts at trying to explain away the biblical passages condemning homosexuality as being passages that really only condemn certain things, it sounds like if you pressed him, he would say those things, they are also not condemned. In other words, he just doesn't believe the Bible. You know, Scott, you started out, you alluded to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and people um, heaping to themselves teachers after their own lust or their own passions. Um, it, It is a human tendency to do what one wants to do and tell oneself it's the right thing to do. Eve, in the very beginning, wanted to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was good for food, delight to the eyes, desirable to make her wise. So what did she do? She told herself she believed the lie. She told herself what the devil was saying through the serpent was true, that this would make her like God, that she would be like God, knowing good and evil. So she believed the lie. And therefore justified what she was doing. And then you think of all those times in the Bible when it says, be not deceived. And one of those passages is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where it says, be not deceived. And then Paul goes on to talk about people uh, engaged in various kinds of behaviors who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, And among them are the terms for homosexuality and another term that refers specifically to a kind of homosexual relationship, but it says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Why does he need to say that? Because it is there's this human tendency to be deceived and, and believe what we want to believe. But he goes on, Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor, and this translation is an older translation, so it says effeminate and abuses themselves with men, some modern translations just use the term homosexuals. And, and what he's saying is don't be deceived. And yet people like our viewer, what's going on there is they, they want to live this lifestyle. That's their passion. 
And so they're going to be deceived and say, well, the Bible really doesn't mean this. There's an explanation. Scott, uh, Jeff, In fact, let's, uh, on, your, on, ahead, your, on your point of deception, what was, was it Isaiah or Jeremiah that said that the heart is the most dece deceptive thing? Jeremiah 17.9. And uh, let's take a look. You brought up 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, and Jeff, since you're our Greek guy here, we'll let you respond to this. He makes an argument on that very passage, 1 Corinthians. And so let me get that up here on the screen, and we'll take a look at it. All right. Um, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, the word translated, abusers of themselves with mankind, this is referring to, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Our two remaining passages are left involved in the other. I'll spend somewhat less time. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Timothy 1. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul warns against those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. He lists 10 different types of persons who will not inherit the kingdom. Uh, and he says the dispute here is about translation. Well, not really. I'll start with the King James, which says um, neither abusers, effeminate, or abusers themselves of mankind. Our key words for discussion are translated effeminate and abuses themselves of mankind. These somewhat ambiguous translations of the King James are consistent with how these words were actually translated into English for hundreds of years, some kind of immorality or abuse. Specifically, what kind was never stated? This changed halfway through the last century when some Bible translations began connecting these terms to homosexuality. And the first occurrence of the shift came in 1946 when a translation of the Bible was published that stated homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to discuss the words and hears his argument. These terms and concepts regarding sexual error, or pardon, pardon, that's not where he gets to it. Um, the word translated abuses themselves with mankind in the King James is a compound word. In Greek, it is arsenicoitus. Arson meaning male, coitus meaning bed, generally with a sexual connotation. So the argument is that we can determine the meaning of this term from its etymology. Male plus bed in the plural form must then refer to men who sleep with other men. But there are several problems with this approach. First, simply looking at a word's components doesn't necessarily tell us what it means. He gives examples, understand, butterfly, honeymoon. Don't tell us what the word means. The problem with the word abuses themselves with mankind, our synecoitus, is that it was a word extremely rarely used in ancient Greek. Paul's use of it in 1 Corinthians is considered to be the first recorded use anywhere. After Paul, the few places it appears to tend to be in a list of general vices, which are not the most helpful of contexts. Fortunately, however, many of the lists are grouped by category, and this Greek word consistently appears among sins that are of a primarily economic nature rather than primarily sexual. This and other contextual data indicate this term referred to some kind of economic exploitation, likely through sexual means. This may have involved forms of same-sex behavior, but coercive and exploitive forms. There is no contextual support for linking this term to loving, faithful relationships according to the author of this article, uh, Matthew Bynes. Yeah. 
Well, okay, so some of what he says is right there. You can't always look at the parts of a word and say etymologically it came from these two parts, therefore it means this. And it's also true this is not a word that was used frequently in uh, ancient Greek. But in the context right here, what we have is a list twice given. The, the list is given once in 1 Corinthians 6, but previously it was given in 1 Corinthians 5. If you look at 1 Corinthians 5, Paul says in verse 11, As it is, I wrote to you not to keep company, if any man that is named a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. And the, the context doesn't end there. Paul is talking about making judgments. He's talking about uh, making a judgment in regard to somebody who is supposed to be a brother in Christ. And then he comes into a section where he's talking about judgments where people, brethren, have disputes with one another and not taking those before unbelievers and having unbelievers decide those things. And it's in that part of the context where he says, don't you know that those of the world, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And then he gives another list, which looks like the same list, but slightly expanded. If you go through the list in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, he says, be not deceived, neither fornicators, well, we've got fornicators back in chapter 5, nor idolaters, well, we've got idolaters back in uh, chapter 5. He says, nor adulterers, now we didn't have adulterers mentioned in chapter 5 specifically, but what he's doing is he's, he's expanding the list. So where he said fornicator in chapter 5, talking about sexual immorality of various sorts, in the list in chapter 6, he expands it. So you have fornicators, adulterers, the, uh, as translated here, effeminate, and then the homosexuals. It's doing the same thing as he does when we get to verse 10, and he mentions thieves and covetous. Back in chapter 5, he just mentioned covetous, but that's what a thief is. He's, he's covetous. And then similarly, you've got some of these other terms that are expanded a little bit. What I'm saying is this. Chapter 6 is an expanded version of the list in chapter 5. Chapter 5 just said fornication, sexual immorality. What we have in chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, are the terms adultery, fornication, effeminate. I, I really wish we had a, a better word for that. And then abusers of themselves with men, different categories of sexual sin. Um, I think this context is the context we need to talk about. Yes, and the fact that some words you can't tell, you know, what they mean from the two parts. Other words you can't. And within this list of sins, including various sexual sins, uh, the, the, the soft, the effeminate, and those that bed men uh, is, is pretty clear. Can I, can I interject something right there? He, when he, he's suggesting that Paul is the first one to use this word, combine these two into one word, male bed. He's suggesting Paul is the first one. Let's suppose that's true. If that's true, that's the very time when you do say the meaning yes. of the word is the sum of the parts. I'll give you another example. In, in 2 Peter, Paul uh, Peter uh, appears to coin the word false teachers. He alludes to the false prophets, and in Greek, the word false prophet is false and prophet put together, and it was frequently used. 
But then Peter says, similarly, you're going to have, and he uses something we don't see previously in ancient Greek, the combination of the word false and teacher. It says false teacher. It's clear the meaning of that word is it corresponds to false prophet. You put the two together and the sum of the parts. Who coins a word out of two parts to mean something that have nothing to do with the two parts? When you make up a word by putting two words together, the meaning is the sum of the parts. If Paul made this word up, as our as the writer suggests, that's what he means. Yeah, I, I have occasionally killed a mouse by stomping on it. If someone <laughs> likes it, Scott, you're a mouse stomper. <laughs> yeah. What, what would they mean by that? You stomped on a mouse. Yeah, yeah. It does. Uh, so one of the things that's in this, it's kind of curious. He said several times uh, in the article that the idea of sexual orientation was unknown back then and homosexuality tended to be viewed as something that heterosexual people who just got too full of excess and lust ended up going beyond and just went too far in something and that they didn't have an understanding of sexual orientation. I I would go ahead and I'll come back to my point. Very, Very clear that in, in Greek culture, and this is Corinth, this is the capital of Greece, homosexuality was rampant in Greek culture. Uh, there's an article, it's attributed to Lucian of Samosota, but it may be as early as the 4th century BC, that's a debate between two Greek guys, and one is discussing why it's better to love women, and the other is discussing why it's better to love boys. And yeah. so basically a debate. And they were not only, in that instance, homosexuals, but pedophiles. The fellow would say that once they turn, uh, reach puberty, he's done with them. But in Corinth in specific, uh, Jeff, you've heard me reference uh, the book on Corinth that collects just lots of, uh, right. uh, St. Paul's Corinth collects different references to the culture there. One of the references refers to the long-haired catamites that yeah their legs. Catamite was another word for homosexual, and that was that was a part of Corinthian society. And some of these Corinthians had been abusers of themselves with men or homosexuals, effeminate. And what does the text say about them? First Corinthians, somebody read there, First Corinthians 6. Uh, uh, such were some of you, this is verse 11, such were some of you, but you were washed so it's something we need to be washed from. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the, in the spirit of our God. All right. Wait a minute. Uh, that, that sounds like the, some of them were practicing uh, same-sex practices. Yes. And, and yet he says yeah. they were, meaning they're not. Right. But if... Today's world, but today's world says that's not possible because if you're born that way, you can't change. And I, I want to point out just this real quickly. It is not only homosexuals that have to deny sexual urges. Amen okay. to that. How many young men were in love, or young women, were in love with someone, and then maybe they were engaged and looking forward to getting married, and then... The, the engagement was broken off and they married someone else. Yep. How many people have gotten themselves in a situation where they have foolishly uh, ignored boundaries and they've gotten into an emotional affair with someone in the neighborhood or someone at work 
and they've actually fallen in love with someone that's not their wife or not their husband. There, and are, there are a lot of people who, if they're going to please God, cannot marry whom they love. There are a lot of people, if they're going to please God, who cannot have relations with the person they love. Yeah. And what, let's come back to this other, LGBT+. How long will it be before there's an I in there for incestuous? And, you know, what if someone goes to the passages in Leviticus and says, Leviticus was not talking about loving committed incest. It was talking about incest. Yeah. All right, let's go now to Romans. Well, well, real quick, I just want to make an observation. This this effort that we hear from time to time to say they didn't understand um, basic orientation, homosexual orientation back then. Um, you've already mentioned that homosexuality was was widespread in ancient Greece. I would say this to some extent. You could say they were more advanced in immoral in immoral attitudes than people are in the United States today in this way. They were to the point, they didn't feel the need to identify themselves as some particular letter of the alphabet or some particular category in order, order to justify themselves. They were so advanced, they didn't have to say, well, I was born uh, this way, it's why I do this. They just felt free to do whatever with whomever. And today, people are feeling the need to say, well, I was born this category and I have this orientation, and that's why I do that, as some kind of means of justifying themselves. And that's the argument that uh, this fellow makes from Romans 1. Mm -hmm. So I'm used to the uh, temple prostitution argument, so I'd like one of you to address that in a minute. But, and that's what is mentioned in the person who sent us the question. They said the Bible talks about gang rape and temple prostitution. Interestingly, the person, the first name that I looked up here that they cited, he didn't go temple prostitution in Romans 1, uh, which is not limited to temple prostitution. But you'll notice right before the discussion of homosexuality, it did discuss idolatry. So let's read it in context there. Somebody uh, start reading there this context about the sins of the Gentiles. Um, and so starting, say, in verse 22 and read through verse 27, please, Romans 1. What's your reference? Romans 1, 22 through 27. Or you can start with 21, 21 through 27. I've got it. Because that knowing God, they glorified him not as God, neither gave thanks, but became vain in their reasonings, and their senseless heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise... They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God for the likeness of an image of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts unto uncleanness, that their bodies should be dishonored among themselves, for that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped, the, worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile passions. For their women changed the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working unseemliness, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was due. Okay, so let's quickly look at two arguments often made. First, the one uh, that the person who wrote us 
presented the argument that the Bible has a lot to say about temple prostitution. And then we'll look at the argument that's in the article from the fellow vines that they cited. Uh, so I'll play the uh, advocate of the, the this position and have you guys respond to it. Oh, no, this is not talking about homosexuality in general. It's talking about temple prostitution because, look, he had just discussed idolatry. And we know that in idolatry, sometimes there was prostitution involved and sometimes there was male prostitution involved. And so since it has just talked about idolatry, therefore God gave them up, then this must be talking about temple prostitution and thus doesn't have anything to say about uh, loving, committed homosexual relationships. Verse 28 goes on, even as they refused to have God in their knowledge, God gave them up under reprobate mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, and so on. So here, because he's talking about idolatry back in the preceding verses, he's talking about uh, idolatrous murder. He's talking about idolatrous strife. He's talking about idolatrous disobedience to parents. Yeah, yeah. So... If you're doing these things connected to idolatry, it's wrong. But if you are lovingly uh, unrighteous, lovingly murdering somebody, <laughs> um, if you're gossiping out of love, uh, yeah. or whatever, uh, then this is if you're yeah okay. All right. Now the argument that is made in the article, it says. Yes, you have the idolatry, and in idolatry, there was an exchange. They were exchanging the truth of God for a lie, exchanging what worship should have been to worshiping something else. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, and they exchanged the natural relations to those that were contrary to nature. He said the only way that you can exchange is to go from heterosexuality to homosexuality. And so this is talking about heterosexuals who went over into homosexuality, whereas homosexuals, that is their nature. And so if it would be wrong for a natural heterosexual to jump over into homosexuality, it would be unnatural for a gay person to jump over into heterosexuality. So the problem here is going against your nature, and if your nature is if you're gay, that's the nature that you should not violate. I'm confused. <laughs> and, and, and Paul did not say, for this reason, God gave them up. Or the gay people, you know, started... Dating women, you know, that's, that's not what he's talking about. Oh, he did. He, and, and if that were the case, it's interesting. He only condemns men uh, with men. Um, and, of course, our, our viewer who sent this question in would be saying he's talking about, he's talking about, no, no, let me get it straight, what he's saying. He's talking about heterosexual men going with men because their nature is, is heterosexual, so they're against nature. But then what about homosexual men going with women? You know, that would be condemned too, according to the argument. Why did, why did Paul limit himself to the 
heterosexual men going against nature and not talk about homosexual men going against their putative nature. And LGBT plus. Plus. LGBT plus. Do they really want to take the position that if you have been attracted to women in the past, you don't have a right to become homosexual now? What was the I for? Uh, I, I don't remember. One of them was undecided, but, but it's yeah, not yeah, like it was that kind of an idea. Indecisive or something. Indecisive. What if you're indecisive? Okay, my last conversation uh, with a homosexual uh, about his behavior was not very long ago. Jonathan, were you in the office? He's the fellow that uh, visited with us, and afterwards we sat down and talked. And his question was, he said, I'm gay, but and he was in his 50s, mid-50s. He said, I'm gay, but lately I've been finding myself attracted to women. He said, so I'm thinking about going bisexual. Now, what would the LGBT plus community say to him? That, that's, that's, that's fine. Go for it. Well, what if he didn't want to be just gay? What if he wanted to be bisexual? They would say that's just fine. What if he decided he tried women, he decided he liked women better, and he wanted to become, ooh, now he wouldn't quite get to be part of the LGBT plus community. Um, ooh. H in there for heterosexual. But otherwise, as long as there is some other perversity in there, he'd be able to be included. So really, a lot of their arguments here are, if you bring it back around, like, for instance, well, Leviticus was talking about, uh, it was the old law, and it wasn't talking about loving relationships. So is incest okay, as long as it's a loving relationship? So is incest okay, because we're not Jews under the old law? Uh, and here again, uh, what about this fellow? Would he be wrong uh, if he decided to go bisexual instead of homosexual? The LGBT plus community would say that's fine, but the article here suggests that wouldn't be. So, so here's the way this conversation has gone over the past 30 or, or more years. Uh, the argument was at first kind of advanced that the Bible really doesn't say much about homosexuality. There's only a handful of verses, and Jesus never condemned it. And it turns out the Bible says quite a lot. There are quite a few passages, quite a few contexts uh, in which homosexuality is condemned. Uh, numerous times in which it is alluded to in a negative sense in one context or another. And so now what, what has become the, the, the attempt has come to be to try to discredit each of those passages, to find some, something about each of those passages that says it's not applicable today. It's either gang rape, it's either temple prostitution, it's either... The context. Yeah. So, Scott, you had, you had a phrase, a context... Um, I mean, a, a phrase for what's going on here. And I can't think of what your phrase was. Straightjacketing the context. Straightjacketing. Oh, yeah. You said right. a second ago. Okay. There is something you don't, you don't want to be prohibited by, and the Bible says it's wrong. All you have to do is straightjacket the context. So, for instance, somebody name a sin that I might be tempted to do. Uh, steal. Uh, you might be stealing. Ephesians 4 says, uh, let him that stole steal no more, rather let him labor with his hands, working that which is good. Uh, but that was written to people in Asia Minor in the first century. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, he just straightjacketed that verse. He just straightjacketed it. Yeah, he just straightjacketed it. 
Okay. Um, how, how about uh, you, you need to pay your taxes in, in Romans chapter uh, 13, uh, pay tribute to whom tribute is due. Uh, okay, here we go. And th- this will lead to another one. That was written to Romans who, had, who were Roman citizens. And so since they were Roman citizens and had senators, they should pay their taxes. Okay. What about? What about other citizens? (laughs) I don't know. Where are you going? How about let's go to Judea where they're not citizens? Okay. All right. Yeah. And so the question would be, but in Judea, they were not citizens. Then they had taxation without any representation, of course. Yeah. Pay taxes. Well, that was for people who paid with a denarii. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. And, and it was it was the Caesar's image on there. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump's picture is not on our money. You know what this is sta- starting to sound like, Scott? What? This is starting to sound like you just don't want to pay your taxes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, let's let's conclude with this verse that we began with at the beginning. But after this uh, statement, everybody has sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. The Lord laid on him the sin of us all. Our job to submit ourselves to God is not to ignore the Bible and twist it around to make it say what we wished it would have said. It's not to find some way to straightjacket a context to say that the things that I want to do are okay, even if they're wrong. It's to submit to Jesus Christ and to be washed in his blood. And in Corinth, there were people there who had been adulterers. And it might have been a very important relationship to them. There were people that were fornicators. There were people that had been homosexuals. There were people that had done a number of sins, but they had been washed in the blood of Jesus. And they are reminded in 1 Corinthians not to go back into those things. And 1 John says, if we claim to have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we walk. We lie. And so somebody read for us, and close, let's close out with this from 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 4. I've got it if you want me to read it. 2 Timothy 1, 4. 2 Timothy 4. Uh, and read. Oh, okay. Look at 3 through 4. 3 through 4. For the time will come. When they will not endure the sound doctrine, but having itching ears, will heap to themselves teachers after their own lusts, and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to fables. And this will always be happening. We need to preach the word, verse 2, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, exhort, and with complete patience and teaching. And... All scripture breathed of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This is 316, that the man of God may be complete, furnished completely to every good work. Thank you, everybody.